I, uh, um, when I was young, I used to preach very quickly, and I used to say things much faster than I should have. And, and when I got older and I got more mature and I got more educated, I realized there were a lot of things I shouldn't have said along the way. Um, and I, I, because of that, I think it's important to pray before I talk, uh, which really should mean I pray continuously, I know. Um, so let's, uh, let's go to God again. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray for you uh, to give me uh, your spirit. I pray that, that I would get out of the way. Um, I pray that I would uh, not be the one who, who speaks today, but, but uh, that, it would be, that it would be you, Lord, speaking through me. I pray that, that I would be faithful uh, to the text, that I would be faithful in, in what I share. Um, and, and I pray for your grace on the folks who are here in today, uh, that they wouldn't hear from me but from you, Lord God, that I would... Uh, whatever I say that's that's maybe the wrong thing or not right or or that might offend folks or whatever, Lord God, that you would take that 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 static out of the way and bring them crystal clear the message of the gospel in Christ's name, Amen. All right. Oh, and be with Jess and I in our unspoken prayer. Uh, amen. <laughs> uh, and I need a box of tissues. Because uh, my nose is running, so sorry, guys. I gotta. I do need tissues. I'm. I have allergies. I know it's one of those cool kid things. All the cool kids had allergies. And nasal sprays. And... <laughs> Thanks, son. Uh, all right. I uh, am going to be doing the second half of Paul's conversion story today. We're going to be doing this, um, um, and I divided it in half because I didn't want to preach for like 40 minutes last week, um, but also because I think there's value in parsing out some of the individual components here because uh, there's some cool stuff happening, like, and it's worth digging into. So... Um, before I get to Paul's conversion story, I'm going to talk for a moment about Hawaii. Uh, I am not doing a paid advertisement. Um, years ago, my brother, and actually for whatever reason, my brother has visited Hawaii several times. I think they own like a, their in-laws own a timeshare or something. And so they, they'll, he and his wife or his family, they'll go out to Hawaii now and again. And um, when my wife and I reached our 20th anniversary, uh, we decided to go to Hawaii for our 20th. And um, one of the things we set out to do was to eat at a particular restaurant that my brother had told me about. Um, and actually, as I was sort of praying about what to do for an illustration today, um, I, he posted this on Facebook. And I got to thinking about it. And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Um, so what happened was he ate at this place that served purple pancakes, um, they're called ube pancakes. Has anybody ever eaten these things? I am here to tell you, and actually he said it in his post. He po- posted this picture again. This is a few years old, and he said that this was the best meal he had ever eaten. And apart from maybe pitchfork fondue on my uh, graduation from seminary, uh, the, the surprise party, was it a surprise party or not? I don't remember. It was, yeah. This was... Uh, I, I did eat the purple pancakes, and they were exceptional. And in fact, actually, they were so good, it's been about three years, right? See, I remembered how long ago our 20th was. 
uh, and it wasn't because I looked it up this morning when I was finding uh, <laughs> when I was finding this picture. Um, but three years, I, I had these things, and I do about once a week think about purple pancakes. Um, they are amazing. These were easily the best pancakes I've ever eaten in my life and one of the best meals I have ever eaten. And I can't even describe how they taste because they were so, uh, like, different. Um, they're made out of sweet potatoes, purple sweet potatoes. And for whatever reason, there are purple sweet potatoes in Hawaii. Apparently, they got there from the Philippines. I assume they were carried by swallows or something because, I mean, how else? Um, but these sweet potatoes, um, they, they grind them up and they make potatoes out of or pancakes, and they are, oh, my are so good and I think about them and not only that like because the day Jess and I were in Hawaii and we were spending a week without children which was really heartbreaking for us um, and and we went a lot of different places and ate foods that we normally wouldn't be able to eat we went to the beach from here to eternity I guess that scene where they're in the surf kissing in the water and I couldn't talk my wife into doing that with me but we went to that beach and and we drove around and, and saw all kinds of stuff and went to museums. And, and it was amazing. It was, like, amazing. And this particular breakfast between the coffee and the pancakes and the beautiful woman I was eating with and everything else, it was one of the perfect days. You know what I mean? And you all ever had those? Like the perfect day? And you look back on it and you remember. And it just sort of comes up in your mind. And it's, it's this thing. Um, C.S. Lewis, I was going to read the text, but I'm not going to. C.S. Lewis talks about the idea that um, all of us long for somewhere we've never been. We all long for heaven, naturally. And we call it romanticism or nostalgia. We remember that perfect moment when we got a little foretaste of heaven. Um, or we got a little foretaste of what it was to be in the presence of, of Christ because we were in fellowship with people. And it was the perfect moment. Or, you know, the, the, somebody showed up and offered us comfort in a way that was amazing. And we, we experienced God through somebody else's effort to comfort us. You all know what I'm talking about? These, these moments when you just get a little bit of taste of heaven. And sometimes they taste like purple pancakes. Um, and they kind of do for me. And I just sort of hope that they, that's a thing that translates into heaven, except I don't have to go so far to have them. Because I'm probably never going to eat them again. Though, I looked up the information on the restaurant so I could call them and get the recipe. Now, I just need someone to grow purple, pan, purple sweet potatoes for me. No. All right. <laughs> we'll work on that another day. Uh, you'll what? It is fried Spam I am eating, yes, which tastes better in Hawaii, I guess. I don't know. So we are looking at Paul's life, and this is going to relate. Give me a half a second, and I'm going to get there, okay? We're in Acts chapter 9. Find it in your Bible if you brought it or if it's in the pew in front of you. Find it. Um, because it's worth following along directly. But a little bit of background, this is the book of Acts. We're working our way through Acts, and it's sort of like the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's all the things the Holy Spirit did to spread the gospel throughout the world. And um, in this particular moment, we have Paul. And Paul was a persecutor of the church. He hated the church so much that he, like, was involved in the first martyrdom. And he was involved in arresting and torturing, like, early Christians. And he was like known as a persecutor of the church. And actually, when he converted, people were afraid to meet him because they're like, but that's Paul. I don't want anything to do with that guy. 
he was he was not a nice guy. He was like murderous and vicious and persecuting and everything else. And then on the road to Damascus, he is walking. He's traveled six days to arrest Christians in Damascus. That is a long way to go. Apart from purple pancakes or my wife, I can't think of many things I would travel six days to get to, right? Um, and so six days of travel, they have gone through the desert and everything else, and they get there, and they're going to persecute the church there because he is really angry. And when he arrives, or right before he arrives, there's a bright light that flashes and the sound of rushing wind that everybody else hears. And all Paul hears is Jesus talking to him. And he has a vision of the risen Lord. And it is so bright and so glorious, it strikes him blind. Um, And we talked a little bit about this last week. But to kind of bring it into context here, a step further, um, he so like he sees Jesus as like looking at the sun, pun intended, um, and he is suddenly blinded, and all he can see after this, right? Like, so he is healed, and the scales fall from his eyes, like, in a few days. Um, but all he ever really sees after this is Jesus. That's it. The guy becomes single-minded in his pursuit of, like, doing the work of Jesus and, like, chasing after intimacy with Jesus, and, like, bringing people to Jesus, everything else. Like, it is everything after this is Jesus. Um, And so he is blind to everything except for Jesus. It's like, um, you remember when the flat-screen TVs first came out? For those of you guys who are young, way back when I used to ride dinosaurs to school, um, we had TVs that were really thick. And then one day, flat TVs showed up. And... um, along with fire. Um, but if you left flat TVs on for too long, so like, let's say hypothetically somebody was playing Xbox and they got up and they walked away and left the TV on for hours and hours and hours. Not that anybody would do something like that. Um, <laughs> he's under a blanket now. That's hilarious. All three of them do it, but the other two aren't ashamed. Um, <laughs> it would burn an image into the TV. And so then, like, forever and ever and ever, whatever was on the TV then, if you turned it on, that image would be there forever. And that is Paul. All he can see is Jesus now. That's it. He is forever focused on Christ, and that is it. So, Paul is blind. He is healed. He starts eating again because he hasn't eaten or drank anything in days because he is so utterly broken by the experience. He is utterly helpless before God, um, and then he is made new. Now, we're going to go on to uh, finally getting to the text. It is quarter to noon, but whoever did prayer so many times took a long time to get done. Um, So I started late. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have talked about pancakes. That's the mistake I made. Um, So watch this. Paul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, first thing Paul does is he gathers up with the other Christians, and they spend a little bit of time together, right? They talk and they visit. It is probably the case that Paul knew sort of basic Christian doctrine because he has lost a bunch of debates with Christians up to this point, right? And it became the reason that he hated them, I think, as a part of it. Um, And so, like, Paul knows the basics, right? In addition, 
Paul is a student of Gamaliel, which means he is like a Harvard doctoral student in theology. This guy has memorized the entire scripture and the entire Talmud. The Talmud is a uh, commentary on the scriptures. It is like memorizing the Encyclopedia Britannica. But this guy could, from memory, just recite, like instantly, which is pretty amazing, right? Like he is, and, and, and really he ends up being one of the premier minds of his, of his generation, of actually several generations. Like he is a brilliant man. Um, so he spends some days with these guys. Um, I assume that at least part of it was, hey guys, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to come here to murder you. You know, or probably I shouldn't have come here to murder you, right? You know, please forgive me. I mean, I'm assuming this is a part of the equation, right? And like, he probably sat and talked scripture with them and learned more about what the faith was that he suddenly found himself belonging to after like killing people who belong to it. Um, and then immediately at once, what does he do? He preaches, right? The very first thing he does is he goes out and he starts telling people about Jesus. This is an about face. This is like, like, as on the other side of the equation as you can get. Um, I read a story about uh, the Great Awakening. And, uh, like, during that time, um, there was a Dutchman who came, like, uh, and I like Dutch people, so you know that. But, like, this Dutch guy, he comes to a, to a, a, a revival meeting, and he, he, like, realizes he's a sinner, and he, he commits his life to following Jesus. And the next morning, he runs into a guy he went there with, and he gives him a watch. And the guy's like, what are you doing? Why are you giving me a watch? And he's like, well, look at it. Do you recognize it? And he looks, he's like, oh, that's my initials. Oh, I lost this, like, ten years ago. And he turns to his friend, he's like, did you just find this? Where would it come from? And he says, no, I stole it from you. I would have given it to you last night, but you were asleep. And so I had to bring it back to you today. Um, encountering Christ is huge. This is a life-changing experience for him, and it's supposed to be a life-changing experience for all of us. Does that mean that all of us will instantly follow the same route Paul did? Probably not. Because God does things different with different people, right? Some people take a little time. It took me a long time to overcome some really basic sins in my life. And I have some that I just keep coming back and I'm still fighting with, right? Um, but, like, the very first thing that we should see, it's a little like uh, when spring hits and you drive by the fields, right? And they got their, their furrows. They're all, like, furrowed up. And the rains have just started and it's just getting warm. What do you see? Beautiful green lines, right? Those beautiful green lines. If you don't see the green lines, guess what? Something bad is happening or has happened. Or you planted the wrong seeds or you, you know, put out salt instead of whatever sort of fertilizer you're supposed to use or whatever. Salt's not good for plants. Neither are electrolytes. Just a tip. Um and so what Paul does is he immediately jumps in and starts preaching. We see an immediate about face. We see an immediate life change. Paul becomes a very different guy. I'm going to go on from there. Um, all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? 
Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. So, um, Paul shows up and he begins preaching and he doesn't, like, stop. He just gets better and better and better and he learns more and he becomes more energized and more excited and, like, by the time, you know, people are like, well, wait a minute, what just happened? This isn't the guy who was supposed to show up. He was supposed to show up and get rid of our pest problem. And now he's here and he's become one of them. Um, that's got to be frustrating, right? Like, um, why am I talking about it? Like, why does this matter? Why is this a thing that is, like, what we're pointing at? It is because the life change that took place was dramatic. Um, it's a little like camping, Right? Uh, how many of y'all enjoy camping? How many of y'all enjoy the version of camping that involves you driving a smaller version of your house into the woods and staying in that? Right? Like, I, I said something about that, and it was, uh, it was Cassie Baumiller, who isn't here today, uh, picked on me. She's like, Eric, it sounds like you went glamping, not camping. Um, and, and people do this. They have these houses. They drive around and they camp in. Why? Because I sort of want the new life, but I really like my old life. And I really want to bring it along wherever I go. Because, man, it would be wonderful to be out in the wilderness and to rough it and enjoy nature, but only if I have a TV and an Xbox that I can leave on and <laughs> an air conditioning. I'll tell you, man. If it wasn't for the bugs and the lack of air conditioning, camping would be wonderful, right? And sleeping on the ground. And, well, and then it gets cold at night. And, like, there's nowhere to shower with hot water. Uh, well, and all that other stuff. So, but the point being, right? The point being, it is an easy thing to be converted, to encounter Christ, and to say, I want this. But I also want that. I want a new life. I want to be a new creation. But I want to keep getting drunk. I want to keep visiting those websites. I want to keep gossiping about my neighbor. Don't you know that guy? Surely God is okay with that. I want to worry about everything and not trust God when things are like hard. I want to spend money on stuff that is a waste. I just stepped on my own foot. Paul has changed. And he has changed so enormously, it's obvious. He left the RV at home. And my question I asked myself over and over and over and over again as I went through this was, have I changed this much? I'm going to ask you all, have you changed this much? Paul changed this much because... He had a taste of who Christ is, and he said, I don't care what happens, I'm going back to that, right? I will eat those purple pancakes again. I will find my way into glory and sit with Jesus, right? And he spent the rest of his life hungering for a place he had never been to, a place he knew existed because of Jesus, and then later had a really convincing vision of, which we'll get to another day. Um, but Paul was brand new. 
He was brand new because he wanted this so bad. It's all that mattered. I remember the first time I had a conversation with my wife on the phone, I was so, like, I was torn about everything related to her until I talked to her for an hour and a half on the phone, and I thought, man, I am in a place now, right? And I, I, the first time I met her, we met on the Internet. That used to be cans on a string once upon a time, children, um, with a little hamster running in the computer. Um, But when we met in real life, I walked away from her and I said, I'm going to marry her. I had no intention of doing that up until that point. I was like, God, I'm doing what I think you want me to do. This is crazy. And I walked away and I was like, I love her and I will marry her. And I, 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 it's everything in life has been about that since then. Um, The day I encountered Christ, you know, I got lost in the middle for a little while. um, And the day he brought me back in, it's been Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's always about Christ. Um, And for Paul, it is always about Christ. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy amongst the Jews to kill him. But Paul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. All right, so there's some irony here, right? Paul shows up to arrest people in Damascus, escapes out the city wall because they're trying to kill him. Um, Paul has gone from the angry, vicious, persecutor, killer, abuser of the church, and now he has become the persecuted. He's gone from the man throwing punches to the man turning the other cheek. Interesting, this moment is referenced in 2 Corinthians, and Paul considers it significant, and it's significant to him, and that's why we're pointing it out. If I must boast, he's fighting with some super apostles, these guys who would brag about how holy and wonderful they are, and Paul says, well, if you're going to brag about how holy and wonderful you are, I'm going to brag about how weak I am, because God does all the work on my behalf. Which, by the way, Paul was holy and wonderful, right? I'm a super apostle. I was a zealous Pharisee. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I, you know, was the best of the best. And in the end, I consider it all rubbish compared to who Christ is. Rubbish, by the way, is a really polite translation of, like, poo. Um, Or whatever. (laughs) Thanks, Titus. Um... He says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, by the way, so he says, if I'm going to brag about stuff, I'm going to point out how weak I am. And then he turns and he mentions this incident, right? I think Paul considered this to be a low point in his life. Paul is teaching and he's preaching and he's ferocious and he's... You know, everybody's listening to him, and they're like, he's winning every argument, and he's got disciples. And then he's escaping out a window. <laughs> um, in Damascus, the governor under King Eridus had the city of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me, but I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. By the way, there's a little thing that's tipped off here, is that Paul made so much ruckus 
that it wasn't just the Jews who were after him. It was the government. Everybody hated Paul. He had a knack for ticking people off. When he came to Jerusalem, so this is back to it. So he escapes out the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. That is a rough spot to be in, right? Like, I just went out the wall of the city. People are trying to kill me. I'm running for my life. And like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We heard, but we ain't buying it. Um, I don't know if this, again, 180-degree change He has gone from one man to another completely. I read a story about the Great Awakening, another story about the Great Awakening. It was the Second Great Awakening where miners um, who went to revivals, like this town of miners who went to like a revival, so many of them converted like and changed that the bars all closed because they weren't going to the bars anymore. And like the animals who dragged uh, materials out of the mines uh, stopped following commands because they didn't know how to follow commands that didn't include swear words. (laughs) <laughs> and they would just always swear at the donkeys, and the donkeys didn't know what they were saying because they weren't swearing at them. Like, that is, a, that is a life change, right? So Paul is this kind of life change. Paul is a different man. Um, they, they were not believing that he was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Again, life change. Paul would describe this as, my old way was was garbage. I died to that, and I am a new man, right? God took someone who was helpless and dead in his sins and made him alive, and didn't just make him alive, but made him single-mindedly aimed at pursuing Christ. Um, And I think he experienced tastes of Christ along the way, but never quite what it was, right? I mean, how do you recreate the Damascus Road experience? How do you recreate that? But he chased after it forever. The same way I'm going to spend the rest of my life thinking about purple pancakes. Um, Only that changed his life, and mine is just a silly thing I'm talking about. Um, So we go on. He talked and debated with the Hellenist Jews. So he went back to the place where he used to go to church. Um, And he was involved there until he helped kill Stephen. And he goes back, and he starts debating the same way Stephen did. Um, He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Um, Paul left the story for 10 years. Like, he shows up a couple chapters later, but he's gone for 10 years. And he was just gone. We don't know what he did. He might have learned to make tents then. We don't know. Maybe he preached in North Africa. Maybe he, you know, whatever. But he's gone. Um, Paul was so on fire that he had to run for his life. And in the end, again, became what he was aiming at. It's like a deer hunter putting on the mount and wandering around in fields on purpose. Right? Blending in with the deer. I'm one with the deer now. Like, he became what he hated. Um, Guys, what do we do with this? I'm actually going to end here. I was going to do a Philippians passage, and I'm not going to. 
Um, but I will tell you that the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, or it increased in numbers. What do we do with this? Like, what do we do with Paul's conversion experience? Number one, we do not look at it and say, I have to do the same thing or I'm going to hell. Got it? Because sometimes we look at people who are awesome and we think, I need to be that, but you're not going to be. And it's not your job to be. Right? Like, like, is it our job to preach the gospel? Yes. Is it our job to grow spiritually? Yes. Is it our job to go out and evangelize? Yes. Does it mean that um, I am supposed to travel the world like getting death threats? I don't know. I think I'm where God wants me to be. Right? Um, a lot of times we get our own grand ideas and we think this is what God wants me to do. Um, I, uh, I had a friend who told me about um, um, this. Actually, I had a friend who told me about his own calling. And he said, I believe God has called me to build a Christian multimedia movie music TV empire. And that's what God has called me for in my life. And I'm like, that's amazing. It sounds like your dream. <laughs> And I, he didn't, like, not yet. I mean, I, maybe he will. I don't know. But, like, it is real easy to say this is what God wants me to do. It's really hard to be who God calls us to be for real. Um, it is really hard to change and become Christ-like in the process of, like, pursuing him. Um, my encouragement for you, my challenge for you, and my question, like, what do we do with this? We become single-minded, Right? And there's so many things to be distracted by. I need to lose weight. I say it every morning. I need to lose weight. My pants don't fit right anymore. I need to lose weight. I need to start going to the gym again. When will they open the school gym again? I need to lose weight. I need to do this. Oh, I need to read more books. Oh, I need to do this. I need to be less annoying. I need to spend less money. I need to all of these things. And there's so many distractions. But at the end of the day, what I really need is to become more and more like Christ. I, I would love to have lots of money. But at the end of the day, if I wasn't Christ-like, that money would kill me. I would love to be independently wealthy so I could spend all day and night alone with my wife and children. Um, but if I'm not Christ-like, it would, I would dry up, Right? Like, there are all sorts of things I would love, but more than anything, I want to be like Jesus. And I want to learn to be single-minded in this. And I think Paul's conversion, like, over and over again, that's, that's the thing we're called to. Chase after Jesus no matter what. And there will be a day that we, we get to be in his presence again. We'll taste the, the glory of Christ's, like, like, you know, we'll taste Christ's glory. We'll, we'll breathe in the, the beautiful sense of Jesus, like, like the incense and the wonderfulness of it. You know, we'll, we'll eat pancakes together in eternity. Like, it will come. But we have to focus on it, and we have to chase after it. We have to live for it. Like, and we'll get glimpses of it, and we'll have moments of memory. My challenge to you today is, like, to look at yourself and say, like, what's, what's number one? What's number two? What's number three? What's number four? Does Jesus show up about number 12 or less? 
Let's close in prayer and I'll let you all be. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us. Um, I pray that uh, in my rambling I, I managed to communicate that, that, you know, that Christ is the only way we are saved, that Christ is the only like, source of meaning in life, that through Christ our relationships work, through Christ our, our resistance to sin like, becomes better, through Christ our, our words are, are, are stronger and, and have real meaning, like through Christ everything, everything, everything is understood. Um, I pray that the folks who are here who, who know you would would you know walk out the door with renewed vision to pursue you, and those who are here who don't, I pray that that you know that they would find themselves blind to everything but you until they come to know you intimately. Pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Have a good Sunday, guys.